This is a Therapy for Dads podcast. I'm your host. My name is Travis. I'm a therapist, a dad, a husband. Here at Therapy for Dads, we're reclaiming the narrative of fatherhood, one story at a time. You can follow the journey on Instagram at Therapy for Dads and our website, www.therapyfordads.com. Welcome. Danny, welcome to the Therapy for Dads podcast. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing well, Travis. Just very happy to be here. Appreciate it. Yeah, happy to have you on, man. We've uh, It's been not a long time coming, but you know, a decent amount of time coming. So welcome. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Like I said, happy to be here and uh, excited to chat with you today. Yeah, me too, man. Um, so first off, just introduce yourself. Let us know who you are. Sure, absolutely. So um, obviously, number one, I'm a dad. I have uh, two kids, um, Julian and Lucas. They're four and two. Actually, I got that backwards. Julian's two, Lucas is four. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, hey, four and two, that's my kids, four and two. Yeah, so same, right? right? I, yeah. I know you just had a, uh, a birthday. My, uh, I just had my, my son's birthday as well last week uh, yeah. in the beginning of July, July 1st. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am, um, you know, as a professional, I, I work in sales. I've been in sales for over 15 years. Uh, currently work for an HR company, HR outsourcing, and uh, I do a podcast on the side. That's what I do for fun. So I do a podcast called For My Sons, uh, also a parenting themed podcast. And the idea that I came up with and you know, obviously you could tell from the title a little bit for my sons is, you know, the idea was to kind of speak with people that have been influential to me in my life and leave those conversations for my sons so that they can go back and reference that when they're older and, you know, they're starting their own lives and families and um, they can go back and, you know, hear these conversations and gain some insight and perspective from, like I said, people that have been influential to me. I love that mission, so to speak, of the podcast is leaving this trail, this... I call it a treasure trove. A (laughs) a treasure trove. That's a, I love that treasure trove, a treasure trove of wisdom from all these people that they can go back and one day listen to this massive treasure trove of conversations between you and various various people, men, women, moms, dads, hearing wisdom and nuggets to help them. And I, I love that. I remember when we first met through Instagram and kind of seeing and listening to your podcast for the first time and hearing your intro and what your heart was behind it. I loved it. It is such a wonderful vision and heart to have for your sons, for your kids, uh, to have this kind of treasure trove of wisdom. I, I, I love what you're doing. So keep it up, man. No. I appreciate it. And like, it was funny because when I, when I created it, I was like, is this the most selfish podcast of all time? Because I'm just like trying to get stuff for my kids. <laughs> uh, but then I realized I was like, no, it's not. I'm like, obviously the conversations that, you know, I have, if I'm looking for them to benefit my kids, then obviously they're going to benefit other people that are listening and other parents that are out there. That, that was sort of where I went with it. And the other thing that's been interesting too, is like, I almost didn't really set out for it to be a parent 
parenting podcast. I wanted my sons to get ideas about other things other than, you know, just the parenting side, but um, it sort of has evolved a little bit into that. And I'm okay with it because to me, like my number one most important job in this world is to be a parent to my kids. You know, hopefully they'll decide to be parents because otherwise they, they might not want to listen to it. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're hoping that, <laughs> that they want this treasure trove. I'm, bank- <laughs> I'm banking on that. <laughs> Anyone can benefit because it's a conversation hearing from others about being a parent, being a dad, wisdom about life that that's going to be useful for most people, you know? Yeah, for sure. And you get like focused in like on my first bunch of episodes, I was very much like be broad and have conversations. And then now I've started to like really like narrow it down a little bit. So, you know, I had an expert on sleep. Um, I just recently had a couple of friends who relocated from one state to another. And we talked all about what that was like and how that impacted their family and how they made the transition easy for the kids. So like, I'm kind of really more honing in, dialing down into what the conversations are and really kind of bringing some of that value out there in relation to like some specific piece of, of parenting now. So it's been, it's been a little bit different. Like it's, you know, I, like, you know how we do a podcast and everything, it, it sort of evolves. So mm-hmm. it, it's been fun to hear your journey as as a podcaster and hearing kind of the conversations come up now and the evolution of it. And I think like most things, most things evolve and take shape, but they don't take shape until you start to do something, right? And, and that's even a good life lesson. I mean, not to be giving a sure. life lesson now, but you got to start, got to start doing something, put something out there. It doesn't have to be perfect. And then as you begin to start, it begins to evolve. It takes shape. You learn and you it gets tailored and corrected and you begin to kind of create something, but only by starting that you could actually evolve it. If you don't start anything, no, there's nothing to evolve. There's nothing to change. It's just nothing. Yeah. And it's been cool too, because I even started to do some solo stuff, just put out hmm. my own like solo and I'm doing like just very quick 10 minute episodes with some piece of value that I found valuable mm. as a parent. So whether that be something that I listened to on your podcast, or maybe I <laughs> saw in one of your amazing informative reels that you put out there, um, or whether it be something that I read or whether it be something, a story, something that happened to me, something that I'm working on. You know, for example, last week I talked a little bit about uh, I've been on this weight loss journey over the last year and a half. Mm. And I just talked a little bit about that, like, you know, how to just get started and start working on your dad bod or whatever it is. Right. So I just did like 10 minutes with some actionable steps that you can take. You know, this week I'm going to be talking a little bit about gratitude and, and teaching our kids gratitude. Right. Because, you know, something that I've experienced recently with my son is like he will be happy all day. We'll be doing fun stuff and everything will be great. And then it'll be like close to bedtime and he'll be like, can I watch TV? And I'll be like, no, 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 it's, you know, it's getting close to bedtime, no more TV. Then he'll be like, but we didn't get to watch TV today. So like all the great things that happened all day, you know, and he's going to bed sad because he didn't get to watch PJ masks or whatever it is. You know what I mean? You know, I'm trying to figure out how to teach my son about gratitude right now. That's, Mm. that's something that I'm working on and I'm going to do a quick, probably 10 minute episode on that. What a wonderful way to refocus your son and teaching, even at such a young age of four, right? It's your four-year-old you're doing this for? Yeah, it's my four-year-old. You're teaching him and and it's going to be one that it's going to take time, like most things being consistent. Sure. But to teach it at such a young age to instill that ability to refocus, to say, okay, well, 
you know, we can focus on the one or two things that didn't go so well that day. And that could, that can be our overall focus and color the day. Or we could acknowledge the, maybe the difficulty or the hardship, but what is one thing you're truly grateful for in the day? Kind of, that's the main message of, hey, you can have hard things or things you don't like or things that are difficult or frustrating or annoying or sad and those. And, and there could also be good in the same day that both can coexist. It doesn't have to be all or nothing, you know, black and white, just bad, just good. Good, but both. And I think that's such a wonderful thing to teach your kid at such a young age. Yeah, I'm trying, like I said, so what we're, what we're doing and I'll, I'll share with you. So basically what we decided to do is just every day, like as we sit down to dinner, right? Because we always sit down to dinner as a family, we just go around and we all say one thing that we're grateful for today. Mm-hmm. Um, even my little one, even my two-year-old is, is getting in on it. Um, and mostly he repeats what, what, what his brother says. But the other day he walked around, he goes, I'm grateful for daddy. I'm grateful for mommy. And I was like, okay, this, this is working. <laughs> <laughs> he gets it. He's two yeah. and he gets it. There's that. And then just like, like I said, like when he starts to get into like, well, we didn't do this today and we didn't do this today. I start saying, well, hold on, hold on. What did we do today? Talk to mm. me about what you did do today. Let's not talk about what we didn't do. Let's talk about what you did do today. It's like, well, I did this and I did this. And I was like, well, did we play Legos? Yes, we played Legos. Did you mm. go to this camp? Did you hang out with Leah? Did you? And it's just like stacking all these good things and be like, so is it really that bad that you didn't watch a half hour of TV mm-hmm. today? <laughs> mm-hmm. Again, starting at a young age, modeling that now is ahead of the game. Very much so. And teaching him now, because when he gets older, he's going to know how to do it already because he's practiced since four or two. He's practiced that ability to take a step back and say, hold on, let me let me pause and think. Let me really reexamine the day and have a healthier, more holistic view. That's kind of what I'm hearing is to be able to kind of step back and not be so stuck in, you know, the negative or the bad or what didn't happen. But okay, that is true because there is hard days. There are hard things. There are difficulties. And being able to step back and get the whole day, the whole context to say, yep, hard. And here are all the things were really positive and amazing and good and I'm thankful, grateful for amidst maybe a really difficult day or a difficult season. I tend to do that with people in my practice in therapy is having them adults who are actually stuck in just the negative and they're so stuck in the one thing uh, or the two things or the hardships and really struggle to see any good, any positive, any gratitude, even though there's things going on, you know, starting to do that at 30s or 40s, it takes a lot more effort because there's so much more practice of being so focused on the negative being so focused on the difficulties that retraining takes a lot more effort. You starting at this age, yeah, they're going to be have a leg up on, on a lot of people in that sense to be able to teach others as well. Good job, man. I love Trying. it. <laughs> I try. I love it. You, throw, you throw things on the wall and see what sticks. Uh, yep, that works. Okay, that one. Um, it's I love it. It really is trial and error. It's like what works. You could read books and books are helpful and tips are helpful. And, and at the same time, you have to some a lot of times tailor it to your individual child, you know, your four-year-old Lucas, you know, and your two-year-old. It's like you got to try things uniquely with each individual kid and some things will translate to both. Other times you have to tailor it differently depending on personalities. A beautiful part of parenting is that you're always moving. In fact, I was just listening to this podcast the other day, um, her best dad ever. It's about girl dads. And they gave this analogy of parenting is like you have like a target at a shooting range, you know, a mm-hmm. still like silhouette target that you're, you know, trying to shoot and get your aim correct in practice, right? They said, we often think parenting is like that. It's a still target, you know, shoot for the bullseye and that's it. However, he's like, no, parenting is, it's constantly moving target and you're constantly having to adjust to where it's moving and shifting. <laughs> 
Sure. And parenting is often we're constantly adjusting and shifting and moving. It's never just this perfectly still, you know, nice, neat silhouette, but we're always adjusting. Um, I thought it was such a great visual. It reminded me of the whole pasta thing or throwing things against the wall and what sticks. In fact, I don't know why I imagine you throwing pasta, but I imagine it was pasta you chucked at the wall and some noodles <laughs> stuck. Maybe because I see you cook pasta all the time. I do. On your I Instagram. Do. <laughs> so. I do. I'm a twice a week uh, pasta guy for sure. Hey man, every time you post it, I, I want to come over to New York and oh, everyone, Danny's from New York. In case yes, you didn't that know. is true. Uh, born and raised. Born and raised, New York, right? Where, where in New York were you born and raised? Uh, Long Island. Long Island, okay. Yeah, I grew up. I grew up in Long Island. Um, okay. I, I guess I was, I was born in Queens, which is you know obviously one of the New York City boroughs, and spent like the first five years of my life there. And then when uh, it was time for us to go to school, my parents moved uh, out to Long Island. Grew up in a small town called Limbrook, where okay. everybody from Brooklyn moved there, so they called it Limbrook. And then I've uh, just moved a little bit further east out in Long Island, uh, where I am right now, kind of in the middle, okay. though. not too far out know. east. Not like I don't live in the Hamptons or anything. I mean, I go sometimes, but Dad's on literally opposite ends of the United States, California, New York, and yeah. we get to share and talking about dad parenting stuff which is really really cool to to be able to do this so yeah that um, is the power of the social platforms that we have you know this is something that and like one of the tips that i think i gave and, and that's another thing i like to do is like i like to give these little actually these little tips on instagram for my sons and i call them little life lessons mm. and like they're like a 30 second tip one of them i said i think i believe is that if you're not using social media to connect with people, you're missing the boat. Social media, if you're just like out there, just like, you know, liking and mindlessly scrolling all the time, you're missing the boat. There's so much stuff that you can learn out there for free, right? Like podcasts alone, like you don't, uh, you would never need to go to college. If you just listen to podcasts, uh, like you can give yourself a full entire education on whatever topic that you want in the entire world. You can learn about through podcasts, right? Yeah. Well, just then like, you do you podcasts know. plus YouTube. It's like you have that combined. You can learn right. really about anything. Right. YouTube is even better too. Like, I mean, you know, you want to build a shelf, you know, you can go on YouTube and watch somebody teach you how to build a shelf. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. Like the fact that the amount of access to resources that we can gain knowledge from um, is insane. But just like the social, pla the, so the whole idea of social media and being able to connect with people just like you and I connected or just like I'm reading a book and there's an idea in the book that the author has hits on and I'm just like, you know what? I want more. I want more. I want to ask a question. And I can go to Instagram and I can DM the author of that book. And within one hour, I get a response back with the answer to my to my question. That's the kind of world that that we live in. That's the power of social media. Like I said, if you're not taking advantage of that, now I could have DM'd her and she never could have got back to me too. I'm not saying that that's the case all the time, but in this particular case, it just happened to work out that way. So, and then, you know, what's the worst that can happen is I, I said, I don't get a response. That's the yeah. worst. Uh, what am so. I going to do? Go cry about that? No, I'm going to move on with my life. So, <laughs> um, Practice gratitude. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think that's one of the most powerful things about social media and about like what we have in this modern society is that you and I across the country can connect and form like a real friendship relationship. I did another podcast uh, a few years ago and I made a friend through that podcast because he was always calling in to our, we had like a voicemail line and he would always call into the voicemail line and he was in Scotland. I started communicating with him on a regular basis and we became such good friends that he came from Scotland to New York 
and I had to move my house for Thanksgiving. Wow. Wow. <laughs> you're right. And and I, I totally second what you're saying, Danny, that a part of my joy in doing what I've been doing lately with social media has been meeting people like yourself, people all over the US and talk to people in England and Canada and all these different men across the globe. It's been powerful to hear and to bond that what connects us is fatherhood, being a dad, no matter where you're coming from, it unites us. Like automatically, it's an automatic connection of, oh, we're dads. Okay. It's it's a barrier that's gone and we just get to connect and begin to learn from one another. And it, it really has been a joy. And I, I agree, man, people should be using social media for that type of connecting with others, building relationships, learning um, support, right? And that's so cool that this guy from Scotland came out and visited you because you guys <laughs> created a connection through this show, um, through your show. And what a beautiful thing to happen out of social media. It's always good to hear good things from social media occurring because we know of all the other stuff that happens in social media. <laughs> so, right. to- you know, and that that brings up a really good point too. And I was thinking about it as you as you were talking there. One of the biggest concerns that parents have out there is social media, right? And and what what goes on on social media. But if you can teach your kids to responsibly use social media, educate themselves to connect with people of value, then there are, like I said, there are some great advantages advantages to it. And like, that's something that I haven't, you know, I'm, I'm not close to that yet, right? Like I've got a long ways to go uh, before my kids are on social media. So I haven't done too much digging into that yet. As I get closer, it's certainly something that I will try to figure out how to allow them to do it, but do it responsibly. I think teaching it to be responsible is one way, but kids still need limits. Well, that's what I can say when you're dealing with young kids or teenagers, because part of their brain development is that limits aren't always there and limits are still developing in the prefrontal cortex, that ability to stop and think rationally and logically and not be impulsive um, comes later. So we can teach our kids and we still, I still think having limits as parents is going to be, it's going to help them grow, keeping them like in a space, giving them freedom and kind of healthy limits helps them grow efficiently and teaching them here's how to use it effectively and healthily, how we can use it for the benefit of ourselves and those around us. Um, That's definitely going to be a topic that we're going to have to cross one day. And who knows what social media will be like in 10 years. For today, though, what I'd love to hear now, Danny, if you could, is I'd love to hear as a dad, as a man, as a father, what is a significant difficulty that you've gone through? Yeah, sure. Um, if if I kind of want to like hone in on one specific event, you know, I think um, we had a pretty difficult experience with the actual birth of my first son mm. was, was pretty tough. You know, my wife went in there with all every intention of trying to give birth as naturally as possible. Right. And we had a, we had a kind of a, a interesting situation because the, the doctor, her, her doctor actually had a broken arm and she also had something going on that she wasn't going to be able to be there. Even with the broken arm, she wasn't going to be able to be there, you know, for, so for part a, of your birth plan was yeah. already shifted. Yeah. So it was already, yeah, it was already a little bit off. Right. And, you know, we were told, Hey, you know what, this is, this is the backup doctor and, and he's going to be there and everything like that. Great. Turns out <laughs> it's not the backup doctor that's going to be there. It's the T the backup doctor and, and his team are going to be the, the ones that are supporting this. Um, so, you know, this, this, uh, doctor comes in that, you know, I would not say could probably use some work on the bedside manner. <laughs> right. Mm. And ultimately she took one look at my wife and was like, yeah, she's like, you, you should, st- you should stop 
the, oh, you know what? Hold on a second. Let me back up. So right off the bat, we get into the hospital and right away they're pushing the, the drugs, right? Mm. Like they're pushing the, um, Pitocin and Pitocin. Yeah. Which was, my wife was trying to avoid that if possible, right? She didn't want to mm-hmm. do that. And right off the bat, they're just like, no, 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 we're going to pump you up with that like immediately. And she was just like, no, you know, like let's hold off. And it was already uneasy from the moment we walked in. Then you've mm-hmm. got the fact that now this new doctor comes in and she comes in, gives a look and she's like, yeah, you can push, but uh, I don't, I don't think, I don't, you know, you, I think we should go to a C-section. Okay. Okay. Her, literally her words were, uh, and she had this like thick Russian accent and literally she goes, I don't, I don't have hopes. Right. <laughs> uh, How we, is it? We, we still laugh about that today. Um, that I don't know. Sometimes we say that to each other. We'll be like, we don't have hopes. Right. I can't imagine someone coming in, you're in the middle of you're getting ready for labor and they're like, I don't have hopes. It's what are you supposed to do with that? How, how'd that hit you? I got to tell you for me, I trust that the medical professional knows what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Like they're a, do- they're a doctor for a reason. So like if she comes in and tells me, yeah, this is, the, you know, let, let's get the C-section going. My gut instinct is be like, okay, no problem. A C-section is a standard procedure. Like, you know, I mean, yeah, it's, it's not ideal. It's not what you wanted, but let's, let's go. Let's get it. You know, let's, let's get it done. But what happened was, is like, you know, she, the doctor said, no, 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 good. Let her push. I mean, she wants to keep going. She wants to keep going. Hmm. And then there was like, literally, I can't even remember. It was like an hour or two hours of just trying and getting nowhere and it being completely emotionally draining on her and um, emotionally draining for me, like having to sit there and like go through that. And Mm. the one bright part that we had was there was the resident doctor was really excellent. Right. And he was really helping her a lot. And and like, he was like what was kind of the calming effect for us. Right. Mm. Eventually, I said to the resident doctor after like a couple hours, like finally, I'm like, all right. I said to the resident doctor, I'm like, can can I can I talk to you? And I pulled him out in the hallway and I said, is it time to convince her that we need to to go the other route? And because he tried, man, he really tried. Like he hmm. really wanted to do it for her because he knew that's what she really wanted. He was trying and to align with what your wife wanted versus exactly. just coming in right away and being like shooting all hopes down. She could have broken it a completely different way. And like, it could have gone a completely different way. So ultimately I pulled out this resident doctor and I had the conversation with him and I was like, is it time to throw in the towel Mm. and and do it? And he was just like, yes. So I said, all right, no worries. We're going to, we're going to do that. And I had to go in there and I just, you know, I told my wife, I said, look, I, it's time. It's time. You know, it's not going to work out. You know, the C-section is going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine was it like it was so hard at that point because it was just like i said we were so emotionally drained and she's going through like physical pain everything like that too at the same time when they took lucas out they were like there's no way he was coming out like he was backwards or something i don't know exactly what it was upside down backwards i don't know but Mm. they're like there was no way that he was going to come out naturally which is just annoying because like all that three hours of struggle and heartache and pain um, could have easily been avoided, uh, which like, and this is the, this is, and now this is like a medical thing that I don't understand. Like you got the technology, go in and look and tell me before you, I don't understand. I can, I can talk all day about how I hate all things like medical, uh, uh, like hospitals and everything like that, but I'm hmm. not going to, but I, I just didn't understand. It's like, if you would have put it like a sonogram or whatever it is, like you could have easily seen that that was not going to happen this way. Hmm. And you could have 
avoided this whole problems and everything. Right. Like what emotion is coming up for you talking oh, frustration. about frustration. Sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, there it is. I'd be frustrated too. First of all, that new doctor came in and said, no hope. Like, what would you call her the whole delivery? I mean, basically, I, literally it was like a disaster. I would call it a disaster. That affects you, right? Like you said, I trust the doctor. I You trust the doctor. You, you know, like I said, like I say, I trust the medical professional also. But like this is somebody that we've never met before that came in there right. with a bad attitude to begin with. So it was it was just it was just tough. And you know what? She ended up being very good and she did the surgery and she mm-hmm. did a great job and everything went fine. Um, and you know, we got the best, uh, little boy out of it, but you know, just that was probably one of the most trying experience. It's, it's crazy because like a lot of people are, you know, the best day of your life is the day that your kid is born or whatever. Mm. Like, no, I mean, I've had like, we had a wedding day where like everything was like lavish and fed to us and we did everything and we partied and had so much fun. And like, yeah, our son was born in that day and we got the best thing that we'll ever have in life which is a child but that was yeah. that was definitely not the best day i've ever had for sure <laughs> right the day itself was trying traumatizing yeah. didn't go to plan had a doctor came in who wasn't what you expected uh wasn't helpful thankfully ended good sounds like she was a good able to do the surgery and get the baby out healthily so sounds like that's where her skill set was um yes. not bedside manner which is what you needed in that moment you needed a doctor for assurance not like no hope and thankfully though you had this resident who was able to kind of be that emotional support what you needed from the beginning props to this resident doctor that especially for your wife and for you to have him there with you who's willing to sit in and, and and be with you guys and support, even though it ended sure. with, okay, we still need to do this procedure for baby and mom's safety because baby wasn't coming out based on positioning. Right. But he was willing to be patient, sit and work, which is what you needed at the beginning and what you were expecting at the beginning. So it sounds like it was a total, it was a shock. It was, what? We don't get our doctor. And now we have this lady who is not helpful. And because that emotion affected you and your wife, you're like, oh, oh, she can't. And even though it ended up, being true in this particular case, you're right. The delivery could have been different. It could have been more supportive, like the resident doctor, right? Because if you were to flip it, imagine the resident doctor coming in saying, okay, let's work. And then delivering, hey, you know what? We may need to think about other options because things aren't progressing, right? That would have been a different experience. Sure. Yeah. And then, like I said, I think a lot of it was like some of the things that led up to it before that doctor even walked, before the new um, doctor ever walked in the room too. The whole experience was, uh, it was just mm. a tough one, but it was frustrating. <laughs> yeah. But like I said, you know, you, you look at the end result and, and mm-hmm. you know, it was, it was worth it. <laughs> I had a number two go birth number two. So, um, definitely a lot smoother, <laughs> okay. uh, but also a crazy experience as well. And, and like, we did get a little bit of a runaround too, because the second one was a plan C section and it was a plan C section. Uh, you know, there was, there was obviously the chance for like the, I don't know if it's a B back or a V back or whatever, I forget one or the other, right. V back. Uh, they, they were looking for that, right. Mm-hmm. Um, as an option, but, uh, it was ruled out because my wife had like a giant cyst. They said that was like the size of a cantaloupe. Right. Wow. So like, that was something that we knew that they were going to go in and, and remove that. And we got the runaround for a couple of days, but ultimately we got to a cancer doctor. Hmm. who was like the one that was going to go in and remove that. And we sat in her office the day before the uh, scheduled C-section or two days before the scheduled C-section. We talked to her 
and everything like and we we knew we were in good hands Mm. so like the fact that they set up that meeting for us with that with that doctor that was going to come in and do that and that that helped reassure us going into it and it was crazy man there was like i don't know like medical student and my wife's doctor and this cancer doctor and like um the hospital doc like like there was like 15 people in the deliver in the uh in like this the surgical delivery room or whatever it was um but again, that one, no problems. Everything went well. They they were able to take that out. So no they problem. took the cyst out first, and then baby. They took the yeah. Well, they took t- they took her whole ovary out, which had the cyst. Oh in. wow. Yeah. Wow. Again, not nearly as traumatic. Way way smoother. Recovery was better. Okay. The second time. So. Because it sounds like even though it was a harder, I mean, taking an ovary out that's a big deal. I mean, emotionally, uh, I could only imagine for your wife. Sure. Even though there was a harder, like more emotional surgery, it sounds like your team was more corrective because they were more supportive in that space. Is that, yeah? Would that be uh, accurate to say? A hundred, a hundred percent. Okay. How'd that affect you knowing she had to take an ovary out? Like, how did that, how did you see your wife be impacted? How did that impact you? We, 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 we were making the decision based upon her health, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there was some chance that they were going to be able to take the cyst out, like a very small chance that they were going to be able to take the cyst out without taking the ovary out. And basically when she went in there and that was and when we spoke to that doctor, like I said, the day before she explained that to us, she's like, we may hmm. be able to get it out without you losing the ovary. It's highly unlikely. So I just want to make sure that, you know, you obviously still have the other one, but she's like, I just want to make sure that, you're okay with that because that's probably because it's again, it's going to be way more dangerous if we try to not take the ovary, you know, ultimately. So basically what they said was we're going to go in and look at it and try to do it without it. If we feel like it's not a danger to you, but if we do feel like it's a danger to you, then we're going to pull it or you just tell us right now we're going to pull it. And Mm -hmm. we ultimately had the conversation that we're just going to pull it. Because one, one, one of the reasons is because we knew that we weren't going to have any more kids. Like we knew that we were stopping. <laughs> hmm. So, um, you know, during this procedure, they went and, and cut the tube on the other side too. So, you oh, know, wow. we, we know that um, okay. we're, we're done having kids. We have our boys and we're happy. And that's if at some point uh, we get the itch or something, we would, we would adopt a child. We've talked mm. about that too. You know, we, we made that decision 100% based upon what was the right thing to do for my wife's health. And that's a big decision that anyone have to make. And it sounds like you both, you and your wife are already on the same page in realizing what you wanted um, and making the decision for her health, knowing you guys were done with having biological children, which is a big decision for anyone. Um, sure. Well, I'm glad to hear that it was a, a corrective experience with this medical surgical team from the first. So yeah, that really sounds at first birth, man, that would, I can only imagine the stress in the midst of seeing your wife trying to be in labor and having things be pushed on her and, and trying to navigate that and your role as a dad and the, you know, in the labor room and, and where do you play? What's the part? And when do you speak up and, you know, trying to listen to the doctors, but support your wife and your plan and, it's a stressful time, right? So much happens so fast. It's just like, just like a whirlwind, right? Yeah. But like I said, I mean, the second one was easier. 
Hmm. You know, and a lot of the, a lot of the second one being easier is just because you also sort of know what to expect. Like, you know what the recovery is going to look like. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just made it easier, uh, you know, even mm-hmm. though like we had this whole production with the, <laughs> with the surgery and everything like that, where all these people and everything wanted to get involved and see what was going on. And, but ultimately, um, I feel like we made the right choice, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and everything worked out. Well, and also with the second one, it was, it did, it did go to plan. It went, you knew what to expect, like you said, because you also knew, oh, this is what we're doing. And it kind of followed that plan where with your first son, it didn't go to the plan that you guys had thought. Right. Sure. So right. That sounds like that's a big difference too, is that first is birth. definitely a big difference. Yeah. Right. That's the expectation. We're expecting this. And then now this is happening. That could be a, an emotional, mental shift of, wait a second, hold on. We thought we we're doing this. But with the second, there was a loss there. You knew what was going to happen, how it was going to happen, and it and it went according to plan. So you can kind of right. rest in the in the in the plan itself. So yeah. So Danny, that um, those days, especially the, I think both had their own type of stress. You know, baby one, it didn't go according to plan, and then with baby two, my guess is a little stress. Even though, I mean, at least for me, I'm trying to put myself in your shoes. There'd be a part of me that might have a little bit of anxiety, just making sure there's nothing that goes wrong right when they go in because that's a it's a surgery it's a significant surgery so i'm wondering if you had any of that you're right of course like you know like i think of it as like oh it's so standard procedure or whatever like there's no big deal but you know of course like you know there are you know thoughts like hey something could happen or whatever it is but you know i'm pretty positive as as much as i as much as i could be especially you know i think i think almost like the first one helped the positive outlook on the second one because you're like it can't get any worse (laughs) thanks for joining and listening today please leave a comment and review the show dads are tough but not tough enough to do this fatherhood thing alone 